this. This is a football podcast, man. Meat. Football. Good. Man, we talk football. We eat burgers. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. It's Josh. It's Ben. It's football week. That's what it is. We are. We, we got have, here. We, we have made it Thursday Almost. night. Three days. Kansas Three. City, the Lions. I don't know how excited you are, Ben, but there's a lot of fantasy implications on Thursday night. I'm heavily invested in that game. I am as well. Traded for and drafted Jameer Gibbs a bunch. Please, Lord, let me be right. (laughs) (laughs) You have given up a lot. Um, You're ready for Gibbs to explode. And Kelsey. I got got Kelsey shares. Well, I think I have Kelsey share. But it's a league I really need him to be good in. Uh, Luckily enough for for you. Luckily enough for you, Kelsey typically is pretty good at fantasy football. It's a safe bet. It's a safe bet. It is not one of the most outlandish bets. Let's put it that way. But that's what fantasy football is. It's just a shot in the dark. We'll see if you're right. There you go. What we got today? Yeah, we are. We're excited. So what we're doing on this week's episode, or today's episode, I should say, we are, yeah, we're looking at kind of some surprises from last year, trying to project who those surprises are going to be this year. And obviously, we don't know who exactly is going to explode, so we're going to look at, you know, who was... It's a guess. Don't yell at us. Yeah, exactly. Who's who's this year's Jamal Williams going to be? Who's this year's uh, Geno Smith going to be? So on and so forth. We're going to go through all of those. We've got some news as well. But before we get into all that, really quickly... If you want to support what we're doing here, you can check us out at Patreon. Uh, we have rankings and projections if you're doing any last-minute drafts over there on Patreon. We also have a, links to a Discord community as well where you can get your start-sit questions answered. Uh, we'll look at your teams, all that fun stuff. Being completely honest with you, if you hop into our DMs on Instagram, there's a small chance we might get into it, but it is... It is a flood over there. So if you actually want to get your questions answered, really the best way to do that is go through the Patreon, go to the Discord. Then for sure you'll get it answered. Uh, If you go to Instagram, it's, I don't know. There's a lot of questions in there right now sitting in the DMs that we may or may not get to. It's just the nature of the beast. Uh, But also you can leave a rating and review wherever you're listening to the show. There we go. All right. Let's talk some news. I went and pulled a couple news stories here prior ton. Yeah, prior to week one. So one thing that I found interesting that I have been kind of paying attention to as the season gets closer is the Tampa Bay backfield. Obviously, Rashad White is being drafted pretty heavily. Uh, what does he go, like a fifth-round pick, something like that? I think there's a lot of folks very excited about Rashad White. But... They picked up an undrafted free agent that we liked a lot in the draft process, but he fell due to an injury. He's a pre-draft darling. Exactly. Um, He was incredible in college. 
And I, I really thought he was going to be like a high third round pick. Well, he gets injured in the in the draft process, ends up going undrafted. He's opening up as Tampa Bay's number two running back, which may I mean that may not be surprising if you think he's a good player. But it does mean that an undrafted free agent has already leapt over the likes of Keyshawn Vaughn, um, a couple of the other guys that they had, you know, in in that backfield that could have been somewhat interesting. And he's already locked in as the number two with no real investment from the team, which just shows to me he's good. He's shown it in camp. Team likes him. And so, you know, that's that's something to monitor, I think, as the season goes on. Uh, that that backfield, the share between Rashad White and Sean Tucker. Yeah, I mean, summed it up pretty well. I think he's good. I really hope he plays and and does well for himself. I have nothing against him. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully he can make something of himself. We would love to see it. Uh, another thing here, Kadarius Tony is apparently going to play Week One off his knee injury. Truthers don't uh, get too excited. Camp. Not that good. Yeah, one. Of, I think one of the things that I try to, and this is tough, but one of the things I try to adhere to is, if a player's injured in camp or or misses all of camp, that like I should not really expect them to be really impactful for fantasy or to beat their ADP that season. So Kadarius Tony slots in there. You know, Cooper Cup with this hamstring injury, I'm a little concerned about it. Like, I think at this point, guys that are injured or trying to work back from injuries in camp leading up to week one, I just, I think I'm going to sort of avoid them, even though Kadarius Tony goes as like a 12th round pick now or something. But like, I, ju- I just don't want any part of it. He wasn't in camp. It means he doesn't get the chance to get integrated into the offense to get those valuable reps. And, you know, even though he's going to start week one, I'm just out. I'm willing to miss. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think I don't think it's going to be like a a miss that even if he hits like it's not going to be you missed out on 1500 yards and 10 touchdowns like that. There's there's just too many. Too many guys like him in Kansas City that they have to give the ball to of guys who could be good, but haven't really shown it yet. And. Outside of Travis Kelsey, I'm just not a believer until I actually see one of them take the step forward. Jameer Gibbs looks like, according to Detroit's GM, that he is going to be used in, quote, ways that we might not expect. In dazzling ways you've never seen. <laughs> they love him. They love Jameer all, Gibbs. All Partially of that the means reason what? I love Jameer Gibbs is just how much the Lions love Jameer Gibbs. Like, if you've seen the draft videos of, like, how excited they were to draft him, like, they were willing to take him at six. That's how much they like him, is they were going to take him over Bijan at six. So, I mean, you give Ben Johnson, who has proven himself, I think, as an excellent offensive coordinator. That's my... Wish list of the offseason is that Atlanta fires Arthur Smith and hires Ben Johnson as the head coach. I think that would be awesome. That would be great. So, yeah, they love him. They're going to get him the ball. I don't I don't know what 
ways that we don't think means because we think he's going to run the ball and we think he's going to catch the ball. Like is is he's going to he be out there taking on, wild? Uh, is is he blocking? <laughs> he's like going to play defensive end, guys. <laughs> we're going to put him at tight end. Nobody saw that coming. <laughs> Ooh, gotcha. That uh, would upset me. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I was not looking for a blocking on... tight end when I traded for Jameer Gibbs. He's a gunner on special teams. He's going to play the Matthew Slater role in this uh, special teams. I'll. We're going to have a problem, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't. What, like, what is ways we didn't think means? I mean, we all think that he's going to be used as a pass catching back. They're going to give him the Derrick Henry role. I formation, (laughs) 350 carries for Jameer Gibbs. That would be something we didn't expect. No, we didn't see that coming. I'll be honest. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, you got me. He's got 237 carries up the middle. Okay, I'm surprised. Call me shocked. I'll be shocked if he lives if they do that, but (laughs) he will be in a hospital drinking through a tube if you do that. And it's not like they have a 225-pound bowling ball of a backup running back that is also a very good runner either. So I have no clue why. He's the pass-catching back now. Yeah. I, yeah. So I, I don't know. What does that mean? No clue. That's a puff Not piece. a single clue. Nothing. It, this yes, means that absolutely is, nothing. That is coach speak. I, I mean, he's going to do what we think he's going to do, most likely. I like him. You like him a lot. I like him. You like him a, a very large amount. Yeah. Okay, these are some some projections here. I don't really know what to call this, this part of the episode, but we're looking at players that exploded last year and trying to see who is going to fit that archetype for this coming season. So these we're just going to jump right into it. Guesses. Exactly. But who is this year's Josh Jacobs? And by that I mean an RB2 that explodes and finishes as a top five running back. Ben, hit us with your pick. I was struggling to fill this one out because all the guys who I would like put in there, I put Najee Harris. I'm like, okay, well, he's going as an RB1. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, well, he's going as an RB1. Like Travis Etienne, he's going as an RB1. So I'm like, I don't really see a ton of these. RB2 guys doing it, but if there is one, A, it's going to take, it's going to take, I could see both the guys we're going to talk about finishing as an RB1, but for them to finish top five, it's going to take some doing, like there's going to have to be some injuries and things are going to have to go perfect for them. But if it does, I think Miles Sanders has a chance to be that guy. If some guys get hurt above him, he catches 50, 60 passes like the Panthers are talking about. And he stays healthy the whole year because he's, I mean, I, they don't have anybody else to give the ball to. It's its him and Chuba Hubbard. And I've said it before, if Chuba Hubbard couldn't beat out Donta Foreman, he's not going to take anything away from Miles Sanders. So if, if the stars align, Miles Sanders could be this year's Josh Jacobs. I could see it. Um, I, the other thing, too, is like Josh Jacobs last year, he had his I would I would venture to say he had his best NFL season last year. He also won as the RB20 in drafts last year in ADP. 
So it was not a guy that we were incredibly in on as a fantasy community. That's that's why he ended up being the best value in drafts at the running back position. So you're looking at a guy that the consensus is not really in on. You're looking at a guy that you're sort of projecting to have their best season ever. And, yeah, I mean, Miles Sanders could certainly do that. They could just give him a million carries. And, I mean, that would do it. Josh Jacobs, I think, had 340 carries last year. So, like, if Sanders got 300-plus carries, yeah, I, I could I could see that happening. I don't know if I project that because that's like a – That's why we're doing this. It's not something that we're projecting to happen. <laughs> it's something who could who could do it. Yeah, it's a little bit hot takey. Um, okay, my pick here is Cam Akers. That's hotter than Sanders. It is hotter than Sanders, <laughs> but I will say this. Josh Jacobs won as the RB20 last year. Cam Akers goes as the RB21 this year. So, if we're going to predict a guy that we're not super-duper in on that could kind of come out of nowhere and explode, I think Cam Akers could be that guy. You're looking at a guy that has no real competition in the backfield. Same thing with Jacobs last year. They just they just let him go out and die, basically. They were like, well, we'll give you every single touch that we can find for running backs. And, I, I mean, I could see that for K-Makers with the Rams where, what, I mean, is Ronnie Rivers going to steal touches from him? Kieran Williams, <laughs> Zach Evans. Ronnie like, Rivers. none of these guys have done anything ever. And K-Makers, at least we've seen the flashes. And so here's sort of where I want to look at this. In weeks where K-Makers had 15-plus carries last season, uh, in half PPR scoring, he scored, let's see here, 7, 18 and a half, 33, 14, 14 and a half points. So he basically averaged 13 fantasy points on a terrible Rams team last year. Let's keep in mind how bad the Rams were. Yeah. They were awful. And, you know, 13 and a half fantasy points on that bad roster without Matthew Stafford for most of that. I think that he played one of those games with Matthew Stafford at quarterback. I could certainly see that jumping, you know. It's like the 1% scenario, but I could see it jump into like 15 and a half, 16 if, if a few things go correctly. If you're looking at that outlier scenario where it does indeed go that way. And we've seen those games where before the Achilles injury – Cam Akers uh, in the playoffs um, against Seattle in 2020 had 28 for 131 in a touchdown. And then in the divisional against Green Bay, 18 for 90 in a touchdown. Uh, he had that game against New England of 29 carries for 171 yards. Um, last year he had three games. His final three games were over 100 yards. So he's, I think, shown us enough to say that he's got talent. And I I believe he is going to get the lion's share of the workload in the backfield. And so Cam Akers feels a little spicy. It's a little hot takey, but I think that outcome is in the range of outcomes. Yeah, I mean, if he can start the season how he always finishes it, it's I could definitely see it happening. All right, our second guy here. Who is this year's Jamal Williams? By that I mean... A guy who's not a perennial top 24 finisher, maybe, 
uh, maybe just outside that. But he scores an outlier number of touchdowns and finishes in the top 15. I could definitely – this one feels kind of like low-hanging fruit because he literally just takes the Jamal Williams role for himself in the Detroit offense, but David Montgomery. I think, A, David Montgomery is a better running back than Jamal Williams by a pretty good amount. Uh, second, I think, especially with Jamison Williams missing the first part of the season, I think the Detroit uh, offense is going to lean heavily on the run game. The offensive line is one of the – one of the best in the league. The offense, we all expect it to, again, be one of the best in the league. So I think it's, yeah, it's pretty easy. I could see, and he's going to be, he's going to get more carries than uh, Jameer Gibbs, definitely. We all expect Jameer Gibbs to be better, but they play such different roles on the offense. I can see Jameer Gibbs flourishing and still, like, he's going to have his own chunk of the running game but be so good in the passing game that David Montgomery still can, you know, be a top 15 running back and score a bunch of touchdowns be- just because of how good we expect the offense to be and the offensive line when they get in the red zone. Again, I, I don't know if that one's even necessarily kind of hot takey because we, David Montgomery's a good player, but I could just see that when you put a better player in the same role that somebody else scored 15 touchdowns in, like, I can't expect it not to be an option. Right. Yeah, I mean, it does feel kind of obvious because it's, I mean, it's the same situation. That's the same thing Jamal Williams did last year. Exactly. They upgraded Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift to Dave Montgomery, who's better than Williams, and Gibbs is better than Swift. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I, I could see that happening. And, again, do I project that? No, but... Certainly, is it possible? I mean, Jamal Williams had like 13 touchdowns from the one-yard line. Anything is possible when that happens because that is that's such an outlier sort of thing to happen. And you know, could it happen again? I don't know. Probably not. But like, could David Montgomery do it? Maybe. Yeah. My pick here is similar situation. Very random. But it's a similar situation, yeah. It's A.J. Dillon, running back for the Packers. And when I was looking at this, I was trying to find somebody that we think is good, but has never really been a great fantasy player, but is also in a situation where, like, should outlier touchdowns happen, he could end up being really, really good. And... A.J. Dillon always has some standalone value. He is oftentimes the goal line running back. I say that with an emphasis on running back because Aaron Jones gets in the red zone, but he's he's really more of a threat in the passing game in the red zone than he is as a rusher. But like, could A.J. Dillon in kind of an outlier scenario end up having 15 touchdowns for the Packers? Obviously, a few things would have to go right for that offense. Jordan Love would have to end up being pretty good. The pass catchers would have to level up. The offensive line is always really good for the Packers. And we know they're probably going to be a competitive team. They've got a really good defense. And honestly, outside of quarterback, they have a pretty decent offense overall. We just don't really know how good Jordan Love is. So if a few of those things end up breaking right for them, and then on top of that, you have a a few Christian Watson bombs He falls down at the one. 
uh, and A.J. Dillon gets in there as the goal line guy, sure. Could could A.J. Dillon in a fantasy land sort of scenario end up with 15 touchdowns? I could see it. I don't think it'll happen, but I, I think it's possible. And I think it's the sort of scenario where, you know, you're looking for a guy that has some standalone value that could just on a, I don't know, on a wish and a prayer explode a little bit and end up being a lot better pick than what we thought. And that's all you're hoping for with these. That is 100% what you're hoping for. All right. Next, we have, who is this year's Geno Smith? The journeyman quarterback that has a career year, has a resurgence. Mm, I don't know if necessarily career year will happen with mine, but I do think Russell Wilson comes back to form and is, you know, I could see him once again being a top 10 quarterback. You give him uh, Russell, well, not Russell. You give him Sean Payton, you upgrade there. Um, you got Javante Williams. You got Samaje P. Ryan, who's actually probably an upgrade over uh, what Melvin Gordon was last year. I think I we expect a pretty decent amount of workload out of him. Judy, Sutton, all those guys still there. They're going to have a good defense. They're going to be in some boat races just in that division. So, yeah, I think uh, if the Broncos want to be competitive, Russell Wilson is going to have to have a resurgence. And yeah, I I think it'll be fine. Do you think with Jerry Judy getting injured, with Tim Patrick being out for the year, that I don't know that they'll have like enough weapons for that offense to be I don't know solid? I'm I am conflicted on this Broncos offense right now because as of today, it's looking like Cortland Sutton like Marvin Mims are going to be the starting receivers week one. It's going to be Adam Troutman and Greg Dulcich at tight end. And those, those are the pass catchers. And we're still not 100% sure about Javante, but like, is, is that going to be enough? If Jerry Judy's out for like five weeks with his hamstring injury, I have no idea how long he's projected to be out. It's kind of a mystery. But like, is that going to be enough to where Russell Wilson can bounce back? I think I think so. Even even with that, just I mean, it's, it's Sean Payton. We know he's gonna be he's gonna right the ship at least offensively, more or less. I don't think Judy. I think that he's just gonna stay off the long term IR. So I think he probably comes back sooner rather than later. So you got Sutton there. I mean, Javante Williams is actually a good pass catcher, and so is Samaj P. Ryan. Yeah. I don't know. It it definitely. It makes it a little bit more murky with Judy being out longer, but we actually, I actually, at least I like Marvin Mims too. I think he I could have too. a decent rookie season. So I don't know. I feel like the the pieces are in there. Do I think he's going to be top five? No, but do I think he can be top ten? Yeah, yeah. I put in Jared Goff, and it sort of feels. I don't know. I don't know if I believe in Jared Goff here, but you know what? I'm looking at guys. I believe, in, I believe in the Lions offense just as a whole. Yeah. I think that's sort of where this came from because do I think Jared Goff is going to have an unbelievable year passing the ball? I'm not really sure because those receivers are a little scary. Obviously, Amon Ross St. Brown is fantastic. I think Sam Laporta is going to be a good tight end year one, at least in terms of what we expect from rookie tight ends. 
Jamison Williams is going to help out a ton once he comes back after week six, but obviously he's going to be out for six weeks with the suspension. So you're looking at a starting wide receiver core, and I'm not really joking, of Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs, and some Jags. And, I mean, a really good offensive line, a pretty decent rookie tight end, and probably a very strong running game. So likely a lot of play-action stuff for that offense. But, like, could Jared Goff throw a ton of touchdowns in that offense? I can see it because I believe they're going to run the ball really, really well, and it will take pressure off of the passing game to carry the offense. I mean, I think they're going to have to because I don't think the passing game will be able to carry the offense at least in the first part of the year until we really know what Jamison Williams is. So they've got some weapons on offense, and I think it's more of a bet on the culture of the offense, on Ben Johnson on the offensive line, the running game, to create avenues in the passing game, and maybe you have six and a half, seven percent touchdowns, uh, touchdown percentage for Jared Goff. I could see it. Um, he's he kind of feels. I'll, I'll be truthful with you. I think he's more of a Kirk Cousins than he is a potential like QB six finish. Um, but also, you had a lot of quarterbacks injured last year, so like Geno Smith finished QB six. But I think in a normal year, you look at at where. Juno Smith's numbers were, and he's probably like the QB nine or ten in in most years. And like, could Jared Goff do that? I could see that. I'll be honest with you. This is a stat I actually heard today before we even started reporting or anything. Um, do you know that Jared Goff is actually seventy eight passes away from an NFL record? He's seventy eight passes away from the record with of consecutive passes without throwing an interception. He finished the season really? 15 touchdowns to no interceptions. So I think wow. if, if he starts this season and throws 78 passes without score, I don't remember how many he's he has without one, but he's 78 short of Aaron Rodgers' record. So I think Jared Goff is really underrated. I agree. I think, so I, I think and with we that love offense, to sleep on him. With that offense as efficient as it has been and as efficient as I, I think we expect it to keep going with upgraded weapons, even without Jamison Williams, I don't know. I, I think I think we could see, yeah, a, a really, really safe and underrated season from Jared Goff. Yeah. I'm so fascinated by the Lions. And I think a lot of people are just because I don't know if, I don't know if the Lions offseason hype is all going to be hype because, I mean, they were not a playoff team last year. They haven't necessarily shown us that they are as good as we're maybe projecting them to be, but they've shown they've got some of these landmarks that you would expect good teams to have. They're good in the trenches. You know, their defense as a whole isn't super great, but their defensive line on paper is pretty good. Their offensive line is very good. And... They've got a great, they should have, they should have a great running game. I don't know how it will translate, but they should have a really good running game. And those things tend to correlate to wins, wins. I mean, it it just, it's like this cascading effect of the whole team sort of benefits. Um, So I don't know. I'm, I'm really fascinated to see the Lions and sort of where things shape out this year for them. Yeah. All right. Who is, in your mind, this year's Jalen Hurts? And there's a few options that immediately... 
yeah, this one does feel sort of easy, but it's a quarterback with rushing upside that sort of makes that jump into the top five quarterbacks. Somebody that we're looking at this time next year as, uh, I guess, a can't-miss dynasty quarterback, somebody that's going probably in like the second round of drafts this time next year. Yeah, uh, my guy feels kind of like uh, Hurts did leading into last year is, do I know if he's an NFL good NFL quarterback? I don't think so. I mean, obviously Hurts, turns out he is a good NFL quarterback, but this guy, I don't know how good he actually is. He's got potential, got a lot of athletic ability, and I know for fantasy if he starts, he's going to smash, and it's Anthony Richardson. Yeah, he's going to be great yeah. for fantasy. Uh, it stings not having Jonathan Taylor because you want your rookie quarterback to have somebody he can lean on. So, really, he doesn't he doesn't have anything. He's the RB1, though. I mean, look look at what else they've got to deal with. If somebody's going to be running the ball in Indy, it's, it's him. He's all they got. So I think if they've named him the starter week one, if he starts the whole year, I'm not predicting it, but top five is possible if he gets 1,200 rushing yards and 12, 13 touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, Richardson. Richardson's the kind of guy that there, there's a wild stat out there that doesn't even feel real but is where – and this will need to be fact-checked, but it's something like 80% or 85% maybe of quarterbacks in the past 10 years who hit 700 yards rushing finishes top five quarterbacks. Yeah. And that's like kind of the baseline for what I think Anthony Richardson's going to do on the ground. Like 700 yards feels easy a shoe-in almost for what he's going to do. Now, is he going to supply enough in the passing game side to where that ends up being a top-five finish? I don't really think so. Like, I think he's going to be a pretty average to below-average passer his rookie year, and then maybe we'll have room to grow throughout his career. But, like, I almost look at him as, like, the, the Josh Allen career arc where, like, you know, year one, Josh Allen was, like, the QB 13 or something, right, where – he showed flashes, but it wasn't quite all there. And then it was the year after that, it goes to like QB nine or something. And then he jumps into like top three where he's like QB one, QB one, QB one. Uh, and I could see that with Anthony Richardson for sure. Yeah. The other one here, which this is about as low hanging fruit as you're going to find. It's just because he's already done it because <laughs> he's already done it. I mean, <laughs> Justin Fields last year had eleven hundred yards rushing. He finished. As, let's see here, he finishes the QB7 with only 2,200 yards passing and 17 touchdowns. He had, <laughs> like he was abysmal as a passer. A terrible NFL quarterback in terms of the stats that we consider making you a good NFL quarterback, like QBR, completion percentage, all those things. He was not good. And yet he was the QB7 and he averaged like 26 points a game for a good 10-week stretch last season i think it was from middle of the season it was like literally every other week he was getting 45 points yeah so it looks like here it was from week seven on i think he averaged 25 fantasy points a game and he was doing that while only having one 200 yard passing game in that entire stretch it was all rushing 
where he had 160 carries for 1,140 yards and eight touchdowns rushing. He was electric on the ground, and it obviously translated to fantasy football. Now, is the, the other part of this is the passing game has to improve, and I think oh, yeah. that... No, go ahead. I mean, I think you can add at least 1,000 to 1,200, 1,400 yards to what he had passing last year and six, seven touchdowns minimum from what yeah. DJ Moore is going to bring. And there you go. Not only, not only that, but also just factoring in just the growth he's going to have to have as a quarterback. Like, he's going to get better year to year. Like, if he's, if he's this bad right now and he was this good, like – just his natural growth and progression in the NFL. Yeah. And you bring in a DJ Moore. Yeah. The other part of this too, and obviously he was bad last year passing, but like his receiving core was for a big stretch of the season, Darnell Mooney got hurt. So for a large, well, no, Darnell Mooney was like playing injured. He, I think he ended up playing most of the year, but was sort of a non-factor. You've got Darnell Mooney and then you had like Cole Komet. And that was it. And the offensive line, for the most part, was pretty bad. You're forgetting they bring in Chase Claypool. Ex- well, they <laughs> did, but... Uh, it was a joke because Chase know. Claypool's not good. <laughs> they had Equinemius St. Brown, who had a ton of targets in the offense last year. That's that's not good. That's not ideal for a young quarterback to have a bad offensive line and no pass catchers. They bring in DJ Moore. DJ Moore, at the very least, is a very good receiver. He's a on the level of like a Terry McLaurin or maybe he's not in that upper echelon because he hasn't really had the the offense to show off show him off in a way that would allow him to go for like 1400 but I, 1500 yards. I would go as far though as to say if he's the wide receiver one on your team, you're doing okay. Like that is a good wide receiver one. Yeah. I would agree. I think he is a at the very least, he's a very good receiver. I don't know if he's like, you know, one of those top five elite guys. But he's very, very good. And the offensive line is better. They've spent money bringing in other players. They brought in, uh, well, I mean, they get Mooney back. They they have Claypool, which I, I don't know. At this point, what can you say about Claypool? But Paid at the very man. least, yeah, at the very least, they have a better offensive line. Their run game should be fine. Justin I, Fields I sort of makes it to where your running game's fine. I was going to mention something like David Montgomery obviously not being there. Their running get running running backs are probably worse. Now, obviously, you take away your best one, so I don't know if that's necessarily good or bad. But maybe Justin Fields either a has to carry it more or b like they make up for it in the passing game, which would honestly, in my mind, make it so Justin Fields is better. I think they're going to have to throw the ball it's, more, it's even more. Justin Fields focused. Yeah. But even if they do, I mean, Deonta Foreman last year had a thousand yards for the Panthers. Khalil Herbert has averaged five yards a carry for his career and has shown flashes in spurts. So, and, and Roshan Johnson was intriguing at the very least as a draft prospect. I still don't really know how good he's going to be, but I, I mean, I think it's not, there's, there's enough there that I can say their running backs are should, they should be fine. And the offensive line was improved enough in free agency to where I feel like they should be fine. And if you have a quarterback that is such a threat on the ground as Justin Fields is, 
other teams are going to factor that in, and it just sort of creates openings in the run game for other players. It creates openings in the passing game when other teams are so keyed on your your quarterback's ability to make it happen when the play breaks down. But even more than that, like Justin Fields led the NFL in design QB runs. So at a certain point last year, they were like, what's this guy elite at right now with the pieces that we have on our roster? He's an elite runner. So we're going to scheme him running plays. Let him run. And he's and he's going to make good things happen, which is what he did. So are they going to do more of that? I'm sure that's going to come down. But even if they design like four runs a game, I mean, he's going to end up with, you know, seven, eight carries. Seven, eight carries for a guy that talented. That's still – that's fantasy points just waiting to happen. He's going to get it done. He should for sure. Okay, last one here. Who is this year's Amon Ross St. Brown? This is – a wide receiver with upside that proves us right and steps into becoming an elite receiver. Remember Amon Ra, he had that stretch his rookie year where he was incredible down the stretch. He finished, I think, as like the wide receiver 20. There were question marks, though. Coming into last year, we infamously did not necessarily believe in him, but then he proved everybody wrong was the wide receiver 7. He was great. Uh, who are the guys that are going to do that this year? Uh, it's Kind of an easy one, kind of low-hanging fruit, but a guy who showed flashes last year who's going to be, like, cement himself as a top 10, top 7 guy. I mean, Garrett Wilson is, how do you how do you not pick him? I mean, really, he gets, he gets a quarterback upgrade, obviously, is one thing, but the skill set and usage without Aaron Rodgers was phenomenal. He had 1,100 yards and... You know, four, only four touchdowns, which is what we expect to go up. I mean, this one—it's kind of a weird, a weird archetype to pick because, like, a wide receiver with upside—I don't know—that proves us right. It's, it's, it's weird. I know it's easy, but Garrett Wilson—he's going to be great. Yeah, this this one is pretty easy, and that's probably why it's at the end <laughs> because both of us, like, we looked at the doc and we were like. Okay, who are two guys that fit this bill? Oh, it's Chris Olave and it's Garrett Wilson. It's Both two guys that sort of finished in that wide receiver 20 range, but we expect them to both be, at this time next year, we look at them as alphas, like guys that have perennial top five upside. And so, I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum, honestly, with Chris Olave. We're both very in on him. He was a my guy. Uh we're looking for I reasons think, not to talk about Chris Olave. Exactly. The short and simple of it is Derek Carr heavily targets his wide receiver one. We believe Chris Olave is his wide receiver one. If you give Chris Olave 145 plus targets with his efficiency on a per target basis, it would follow that he's going to have like 1,300 yards. That's yep. just the numbers bear it out. Chris Olave is going to be an elite wide receiver one this time next year. Unless something happens completely out of the blue, unforeseen, he's going to be awesome. It's the same thing with Garrett Wilson. I mean, he's going to probably get 145, 50, 160 targets from Aaron Rodgers. Those are going to be valuable targets. I don't think this is really mentioned, and it's just a very nice little neat stat. Aaron Rodgers' targets over the past five years are the most valuable targets for fantasy football. I mean, he's an all-time great quarterback, so it makes sense. 
Yeah, but it's it's not just that. I mean, obviously he's good, but it's like it's point eight fantasy points per target from him, and some of that is, I mean, he throws for a lot of touchdowns historically. He had two MVPs a couple years ago. Um, he, it's just. It, they're very, very nice targets to get from your quarterback. It's always nice when you take a guy who had 147 targets, who had over 1,000 yards, and then you pair him with a guy who historically is the best quarterback for fantasy receivers. It's just yeah. nice. It's very nice. Just feels really good. <laughs> so that is it for our – I don't know what these are. What is this, flashback players, the, the time machine guys? I don't know. Maybe time machine copycats. These are the copycats. There we go. The 2023 copycats. Um, Just name the we're excited. Seconds. Exactly. That's 100%. Anything else you want to add to any of these guys? They better not. They better not let us down. That's all I'm going to say. You will receive a strongly worded letter in the mail. At least at the beginning of this, we said uh, the caveat was these are hot takes. These are except hot for takes the last couple guesses. <laughs> the last couple were not hot takes. This was like, I don't know who fits this bill. Uh, I don't know these two top five guys. <laughs> we uh, we did not want to do the work on the last couple. Who we like, is oh, this, this year's is Justin perfect. Jefferson? Ah, Justin Jefferson. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who's who's the RB one? Well, currently it says it's Christian McCaffrey. So it's Christian McCaffrey. I don't know. What can he do? We're just excited football is back. That's where we're at. Yeah, we're just we're looking for something to talk about because, same as you guys, we're struggling to get through these next few days. We need something to get us through. We are so counting down the do seconds it. and the hours. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode, leave us a rating review wherever you are listening. Uh, you can check us out on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore. We've got rankings and projections over on Patreon. Go check those out if you've got any last-minute drafts. That'll do it from us. We'll see you Thursday when there's football happening for the first time in 2023. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and want to connect to us, follow us on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore or on Twitter at fantasybros underscore. If you want to support the show, you can do that at Patreon forward slash fantasybrothers.